If you'll open your Bibles with me this morning to the book of Luke chapter 24. and verse 44. He told them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He also said to them, this is what is written. The Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead the third day and repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. Verse 48, you are witnesses of these things. And look, I am sending you what my father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. Amen. So last week we were in this section. This is when Jesus appeared to his disciples after his resurrection. They're in the room together. The door is locked. All of a sudden, Jesus is right there in the middle of them. They're terrified and startled. They think it's a ghost. He says, no, it's it's not a ghost. It says he himself appeared. It is I myself. Look, I'm flesh and bone. Come and see. Come come close to me. Uh, And then they were comforted uh, by the same presence that it had first startled them. And then he tells them, you know, I told you that what was written about me uh, by Moses, the prophets and the psalmist must come to pass that the Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations starting in Jerusalem and that you are witnesses of these things. What I had thought I would do today would do like, you know, we've been in this series on Luke. Next week will be our last week Uh, in Luke. I was like, this is good Lord. This would be a great time to do a recap. And I was like, you can't really recap when you've been in a book for over a year. That would wear everybody out. I'd love to go back through and go, hey, remember this? Remember this? It would take too long. But what, what he kept bringing me back to is this line. You are witnesses of these things. You are witnesses of these things. A witness is somebody who saw and heard what went down, right? Saw and heard what happened. Normally we hear about it in relation to a crime that's been committed, right? The police start to canvas the area to see if there were any witnesses. Did anybody see what happened? Did anybody hear what happened? Did anybody have any information about what happened and what went on? And Jesus said, I told you all of these things would happen. And then now the Messiah will be proclaimed and repentance for forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed. And you are witnesses of these things. Jesus told them that they were witnesses, which which tells me as I thought about it more and more, Jesus didn't just want to be heard. He didn't just want his story to be told. If he had just wanted his story to be told, he would have gathered some people together that were good at writing or telling stories right when he was about to be crucified and go, y'all watch this, write it down like a newspaper reporter would, right? And then report on it after it's over. But that's not what he did. He didn't just want the story to be told or made, made public knowledge. He didn't just want it to be heard. His goal was to be known. 
His goal was to be known and he proved that because he didn't go and get uh, scribes and poets and songwriters and storytellers to tell this story. He didn't just want it to be reported. He wanted to be known. That was the goal. It wasn't about writing a story. It was about rewriting lives around him and creating witnesses from that. Again, if you wanted your story to be told, you'd hire a writer and you'd tell them and they'd write it down. That's it's called a biography. We still do that today. But what he wanted was witnesses because his goal was to be known. And in that, he called the unlikely, the untrained, and the undesirable. And he didn't call them right before Passion Week, did he? He ministered on the earth for a few years and called them to follow. He said, follow me, walk with me, listen to me, watch me, learn from me. He wanted to be known so that he could be made known. Remember Jesus, he said, it's me, look, flesh and bone. He was here in, in person, just like us, and with, all, with those limitations, knew I can only make myself so known during this time, but he still chose to do that. And again, he called the very unlikely to follow him and to accomplish this, to be his witnesses. From the, from the beginning, when he began his ministry and he climbed into the boat of Simon Peter and his brother Andrew after they had been out fishing all night and they were cleaning their nets because they hadn't caught anything. And he climbs in the boat so that he can begin teaching the people who were on the shore. He turned it into a podium or a pulpit so he could be easily seen and easily heard. And I think it's interesting that he, even in Luke, who was really big on details, he doesn't record what Jesus taught about from the boat. He doesn't tell us what. I mean, this is Jesus, Savior of the world. He's teaching and he doesn't record what he taught about, which I thought was interesting. But what he does record is after he was done teaching, he told them, you know, push out you know, into deeper water and we're, you know, you'll, you'll catch some fish. They were doubtful, but yet obeyed and then just overwhelmed. A miraculous amount of fish piling into the boat, so much so that they had to get the other boat. Two boats are about to sink with all of these fish. And what does Peter do? He falls down to his knees and says, I'm not worthy to be in your presence. I'm a sinful man. Right. He knew he didn't deserve to be in the presence of Jesus, even by just seeing that. And what did Jesus say to him? He said, don't be afraid. Peter was afraid. He's like, this is it. I know me. I know my sins are many. Here I am in the presence of what he, if he understood even in part, it was enough to make him afraid. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. Because from now on, we're going to go catch people. From now, he said, you saw this miraculous event of fishing. That would have been just a show of God's favor on their life. And that was Peter was overwhelmed by that. He's like, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve you. I'm a man full of sin. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of me. Don't be afraid of this because we're going to go from here and we're going to catch people. He called Simon, Peter and Andrew and James and John. And Peter, though he knew he wasn't worthy, 
yet was called. Why? Because Jesus wanted them to be witnesses. He wanted them to follow him, to know him, to hear him, to watch him, to learn from him, to experience him and be changed by all of it. Again, the unlikely, unworthy, the unimpressive, the unexpecting, the humble, not the proud, were the ones that he called. So many of them, we don't even know what they did. We don't even know what their background was. We know that at least those four were fishermen, right? We know there's a tax collector in there. We know there's a zealot who, by the way, really wouldn't have liked the tax collector. The zealots were the ones who wanted to overthrow Rome by the sword. The tax collector is the one who's working for Rome, raising taxes from among the people. I bet that was some interesting conversations, right? These are the ones that he calls. And again, others whose background was even more obscure, because it doesn't even tell us who they were or where they came from. And yet they were handpicked, called to be witnesses, which is an encouragement to us. It's an encouragement to us that their, their background didn't matter. Their experience didn't matter. All that mattered was that they would be obedient when he said, follow me. And obviously there were many more who followed him that we didn't even learn their names. And what they did was they lived with him as he's going about ministry, living with him on the road, experiencing him, seeing him so that they would know him. And they knew him in his humanity. They saw him lie down at night to go to sleep. They saw him get up in the morning and stretch, you know, wipe the sleep out of his eyes. They saw him get tired. They saw him uh, deal with all the things in, 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 in body that we deal with just by being normal people. And that's why he comforted them when he said after the resurrection, hey, c- come close. You know me as flesh and bone. Come see that I'm still as you know me to be. They, they, they knew him this way and they experienced him both in his humanity and in his divinity because they saw the things that he did and they heard the things that he said and they witnessed how unique he was. They were a witness to both. It was how they knew him. The Hebrews tells us that we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses, the weaknesses that we find in our body. Which he also had the same limitations that we do, which is why eventually he would he would ascend and he would leave. And we may talk about that next week. But he, he was touched with those weaknesses, our, our pains, our hurts and even our temptations. And they were witnesses to that. But he came, was incarnate, so that he could dwell with us and be known. And they were witnesses to this. And we see that still. We bear witness now. Amen. But he came and they were witnesses to that. He also made them witnesses to his teaching and his preaching. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, just the amount of his teaching and preaching we have just in the book of Luke. Just in this one of the of the four gospels. And then imagine what all they heard over that three some odd year period of time with him day in and day out. Witnesses to the things that he that he said. He would teach and preach about God the Father, 
He would teach them about life, real life, how life really works, how it was intended to work. Amen. He would teach about people. He would teach about us, like who we are and understanding that better. And he would also teach us about others. He was teaching and preaching about the kingdom, right? In Luke 4, it says, he said, it is necessary for me to go to the other towns also to do what? To proclaim the good news of the kingdom. The good news of the kingdom of God. And he says, I was sent for this purpose. Because they tried to get him just stay in one town. Hey, this is awesome. Stay here with us. He's like, no, if you want to be with me, you're going to have to come with me because I've got to go. I've, I've got to get around to everybody. He said, I was sent for this purpose. And his proclaiming was not just his teaching, right? But it was definitely in, in, included in that. And, and we saw as we went through here, the sermons, if you want to call them, that, that, that he preached and that he taught. When he said, blessed are the poor, blessed are the hungry, blessed are the, the, the weak, blessed are the meek. Those that would have thought that because they fell into any one of those categories, they were outside of God's favor. And, and because of that, weren't worthy of his attention. Right. They thought that they were left out of the kingdom. And he came saying the kingdom belongs to such as this. He came and, and preached, love your enemies. Pray for those that, that, that curse you. Bless, bless those that spitefully use you. Telling us that the kingdom of God functions differently than what we understand and that life and abundant life in the kingdom is different from what we've experienced. It's even contrary to what we understand. And because we, we had trouble understanding even those Sermons, what else did he use? Right. He, 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 he taught them in parables. He would use stories to teach them the truths of the kingdom. We talked about when he shared with them the, the, the parable of the two foundations. Wise man built his house upon the rock. Foolish man built his house upon the sand. Be like the wise man. The parable of the sower. The sower sows the word. Satan comes immediately to steal the word. The parable of the good Samaritan. Who is my neighbor? It's the person that's right in front of you. Even if that person considers you to be their enemy. That's who your neighbor is. He told the parable of the lost sheep. He said if a shepherd has 100 sheep and one of them goes astray, what's he going to do? He's going to leave the 99 and go after the one. And when he finds it, he's going to rejoice and they're going to have a party because the lost sheep has been found. And he said, just like that, there's more rejoicing by the angels in heaven when one sinner repents. Amen. Changing the way that they thought, bringing them the truth and laying it down as a foundation. He proclaimed the kingdom, not just in his sermons, not just in his teachings, but also in his dealings with people. Right. We saw him interact with lepers, those that people would run away from, but that he reached out and embraced others that were outcast tax collectors. Right. He called Matthew, the tax collector, to follow him. He called Zacchaeus, the, the chief tax collector of the region down out of the tree. Hey, I'm going to your house to eat today notorious sinners, 
again, ones that church folks, if you want to call them that during that time, would have run away from. Why? Because they didn't want to be made unclean. It's like, if I get around you, you're unclean. If I get around you, you're going to get me dirty and then I can't get close to God. And with that being the mindset, Christ, God in the flesh comes close and he says, I'm not afraid to get close to you because you can't even come close to making me dirty. I'm going to make you clean. And so we see him interacting with people that hadn't been interacted with that Again, they've been pushed to the margins, pushed to the outside and left without hope. And yet he intervenes and he wasn't made unclean by them. They were made clean by him. We see how he interacted with the rich. We see how he interacted with the poor. We see how he interacted with the proud. We were witness to how he interacted with the humble And sometimes he put people and parables together. Remember the one that we talked about where he's at dinner at the Pharisee's house. And it says a woman came in who who was a sinner in town and he was reclined at the table. So his feet are out behind him and she comes in and she's weeping just to be close to him. And she's washing his feet with her tears and drying them with her hair. And then she anoints his feet with perfume. And then the Pharisees sitting there watching this happen. And he says in his mind, if this man was really a prophet, he wouldn't let her touch him because he would know who she is. He would know what she's done. He would know where she's been. And Jesus, knowing what he was thinking, said, let me ask you a question. He said, if a creditor had two people that owed him money, one owed him 50 And the other one owed him 500 and neither one of them could pay. So he graciously forgives both of them. Who's going to love him more? And he reasoned, he said, well, I think the one who he forgave 500. He said, she's been forgiven much. And so she loves much. Those who have been forgiven little love little. And I think the Pharisees still missed it because what he didn't understand and what Jesus said is that neither one of them could pay. If I can't pay you, it doesn't matter if I owe you 500 or I owe you 50. I can't pay. Right. He said neither one of them could pay. And they both got forgiven and he's letting the Pharisee know. He said, you think that you're just a 50 or even better than a 50. But she knows she's a 500. And what did he tell her when she left? He said, your sins are forgiven. And he said it in front of everybody. He said it in front of everybody that was there. Your sins are forgiven. And when they heard him say things like this, they were like, who is this that thinks he can even he can forgive sins? And the other thing Jesus had them witness to was to his authority. They were witnesses to his authority over nature. We saw that even just with the fish, right? We also saw it with the storm. We saw it when he walked on water. We saw that he had authority over sickness, over death. He told people that were dead that they couldn't be dead anymore. And they had to listen. Why? Because he had authority. We saw him exercise authority over principalities, powers, darkness, evil, sin, 
because he would forgive it and even Satan, the evil one himself, right? He exercised authority because when he presented him with temptation, Jesus said, mm -mm. I'm the one that's not going to fall into the trap. I'm the one who's going to be able to stand against temptation and yet be without sin. And I'm going to do it on their behalf. He came with authority. So they saw him teaching and preaching. They saw how he dealt with people. And then they saw him exercise authority. The miracles that he did were demonstrating that the kingdom and its king, the Messiah, had authority over even this world that we live in. And he said, you are witnesses to these things. Again, he didn't just want to be reported on. His goal was to be witnessed, was to be known. Paul, when he wrote to the Colossians, said that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's like, we've always talked about God, we've worshiped God, but it was hard for us to frame that because we, we, we never saw him. We, we heard from him through the prophets. We heard from him, but we never saw Jesus came so that we could see him. He came so that he could be experienced and he came so that he could be known. John 1. Who John was with him, right? He was one of the witnesses. In verse 18, he said, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only son. And I like the way the New Living translates that. It says the unique one, the one and only son who is himself God and is at the father's side has revealed him. They were witnesses to the making known of the king of the world, the savior of sinners. And then we see it, too, right? Because they were witnesses. We're witnesses to that. We, we've seen it clearly demonstrated through their faithful witnesses. Right? Even as we walked through the book of Luke, we saw him announced, hey, he's coming. When he was born, we saw it declared. As he grew from a child, we saw the story that he was wise and obedient even as a child, which you knew something was different, right? How many of us were wise and obedient when we were children? We saw that he was tested. We saw that he was rejected at Nazareth Amen. by his own folks. Hometown folks said, mm-mm. And he went on preaching anyway. We saw that he's the healer. We saw that he's a discipler. We saw that he's meek and that he's kind. And that he wants to forgive sins and not punish sins. That's why Christ came and said, I didn't come to judge you. You're already judged. I came that you might have life. He was a teacher. Witness to him as a storyteller, the beautiful parables. And then he was an explainer because he had to explain the parables to us that we didn't understand. Right? He was a seeker and a searcher of the lost. A friend to sinners. He was love made manifest. He is love made manifest. And he was our willing substitute, our sacrifice, which we talked about at Easter. 
is a crucified king, the risen Savior. He said, what was written about me has come to pass, that the Messiah would suffer and yet rise on the third day. And you are witnesses of these things. You know them, make them known. Proclaim what? Verse 47, repentance for forgiveness of sins in the name of the Messiah. In the name of Jesus. He came, they were witnesses, and I'm almost done. He came, they were witnesses to it, that he came, flesh and blood, for us. That he went about teaching, testifying of the truth. What life is really about. That he came with authority, the Son of God, that all answers to him. All authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth and underneath it. And that the Messiah would serve as a sacrifice for our sins so that we could know him, so that we could be part of that group that it was proclaimed to, and then we become his witnesses. Again, we've clearly seen him and that the testimony of these witnesses is true and our life bears that out, right? We feel that and we know that in our life and how he's worked on the inside of us our need for Him and the change in the new life that we now have in Him. We've not yet arrived, but we are not like we were. And He is perfecting for us everlasting life with Him. That's when we'll have that final realization of everlasting life with Him. And because the work didn't stop, the proclamation of him. He said, this is going to go into all nations beginning at Jerusalem and it's still going. And because the work hasn't stopped, the gospel continues to go forth and change lives and transform hearts and minds because the work doesn't stop. The witness doesn't stop. To know him is to be a witness. That's what we are. And we proclaim, continue the repentance for forgiveness of sins. To where? All nations, beginning right here in our community. Because he, and again, he doesn't just want to be told about. He didn't just want a song written about him to brag about what he accomplished while he was here. He wanted to be, his goal was to be known. That's why he came. To reveal the Father and to be known. To know him is to be his witness of the forgiveness of sins, repentance in the name of Jesus to all nations. And what a, what a treasure it is to know him and to be his witness so that others will know him too. Again, he told them, you've seen this happen. Now you're my witnesses. Now you're going to proclaim And he said, I'm going to send you what the Father promised. What did the Father promise? The Spirit. And why did we need the Spirit? Because otherwise, if we wanted to share Jesus with somebody, we'd have to go, okay, I need you to come with me. He's in Jerusalem this week. We're going to have to make an appointment, right? Because flesh and blood Jesus was only going to see this many people at one time. Flesh and blood Jesus was still going to have to sleep at the end of the day, right? Right? But he said, I am raised and I'm ascending so that I can send to you 
the Spirit who he has been with you. He will be in you. He will be in you. And I love it that he set the model for us. He didn't just go to Peter and have the miracle of the fish in the boat and say, all right, now go tell everybody that I'm awesome. See you later. What did he do? He said, walk with me because I got some things I want to teach you. Walk with me. I want to show you what life really looks like. Walk with me. Be my disciple. Let me teach you and train you in the in the in the actual principles of life. It wasn't just evangelism, but it was discipleship. And he said, if you'll stay, if you'll listen, I will disciple you. And he had some that couldn't handle it. Right. He had some that just said, I thought we was just eating. I didn't think he was going to be telling me I had to love enemies and all that stuff. It's the model he said, and it's the model we still pursue, that we make him known and we want to inspire people to be disciples of Jesus. And we want to teach them how to do it. Again, we're not him, but we're his witnesses. And we can show you how to walk in that repentance for forgiveness of sins and then introduce you to the one that we are witnesses of. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we spend so much time in this life trying to know ourselves. And I thank you that you came to reveal the one that we truly need to know. That we won't even know ourselves until we know you. We won't even know ourselves until we know your truth. So instead of looking down into our own self, we look up to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, they walked with you and experienced you and became your witnesses. And through their faithful testimony, empowered by the Holy Spirit and the proclamation that went forth, we've been reached these, this many miles away and this many years after. And I thank you, the Lord, that in that reaching and in our experience with you, we become your witnesses. To know you is to love you and to walk with you is to be changed by you. And Father, I thank you for that. And I thank you that we won't keep that to ourselves, but we'll do in the form of those that came before us. We'll proclaim repentance for the forgiveness of sins to all nations, beginning with those who where you started, those who are right in front of you. Those are right there in the neighborhood. Those that are right there in the, the next town over, Lord, and we'll, we'll disciple those that you bring us in your name, not ours, but yours, so that we can be more like you. God, I thank you for blessing the witnesses. I thank you for the spirit that came and lit the fire that started the church. And I thank you that it burns still today and that we gather around the heat and the comfort of that fire. And then we invite others to join us. Lord, I pray for those that are out from among us today traveling, bring them safely back home. I thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day we have in which to experience you. And that as we go out into it, we go in peace and unity together with each other. God, if there be any infirm among us or be any sick, that they be strengthened and made well. If there be any discouraged, that they find that the hope in you, Lord, and that you give us eyes to see those that need encouragement today. You give us ears to hear those that need, need that extra time today. 
so that we can be your witnesses here on this earth. God, I I pray for our overcomers group that's going to meet here tomorrow night. Lord, prepare the way. Help us to heap up the road for those that would come in to remove the stumbling blocks and to throw the door wide open and say, come on in and let me tell you about Jesus. I thank you, Lord God, that you are strong enough to overcome any obstacle, that you are powerful enough to tear down any stronghold, and you are loving enough to pursue us into the darkest places we can imagine and bring us out. I thank you that we've seen that, that we've known that, and that we carry that with us. We love you and we thank you, and we give you glory today, our risen King and Savior, and I thank you that we get to be your witnesses. In Jesus' name, amen.